Welcome to Cross Culture-ish. The podcast where nerdy traveler friends talk about everyday cultural experiences. We're learning a lot and want to learn with you. This process is fun and sometimes it's funny. So why not record it? Welcome again to Cross Culture-ish. We are back exploring together what happens when cultures clash. I'm Marcos and I will be your host this time. The rest of La Ganga is here joining me today. Everyone say hello. How are you doing, Lauren? Hello. Aliyah? Hello, I'm doing so well. Thank you for asking. David? Hola, ¿cómo están? Estoy bien, estoy bien. Y Sara? Bonjour. <laughs> Today, we will be talking a little bit about a topic. Why is that funny? I was remembering the muzzy conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every day. Yes. Friends, if you don't know the muzzy conversation, listen back to our... Was that Mulan or was that... Eurovision? That was Eurovision. I yeah, think. Eurovision. Our Eurovision episode, muzzy, still around. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about a topic that is very layered and something that is is actually kind of relevant right now, given that a lot, there's been a lot of changes. Um, it's also something that due to the changes in the pandemic has taken different forms. Social distances had made society rethink what's important, what has meaning, what is crucial. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking about marriage and weddings. This is our marriage and weddings episode. There's a lot of culture that takes place. And so a cue Wedding music, if we could, we'd do like our My Best Friend's Wedding. We were singing that a little bit earlier. But so, but before we dive into all that, first, let's dive into our first segment, as always, our weekly obsession. David, hit me with the jingle. This is my obsession. Ooh, <laughs> that was kind of a different, like that was a different one. Mm-hmm. It was a little different, but I like it. I like the, uh, I I like the switch. I, I like the switch. I something new. But thank you. So anyone who's got a weekly obsession, this is a segment where we share that what we have been paying close attention to maybe giving a little bit more time than we should or maybe what has enthralled us over the last week or two and so i have an obsession that does go along with today's theme of marriage i have been watching but i finally just finished at least up to the episodes i don't know sometimes it's right now it's hard to know if like things stopped recording because of covid or if it's like the end of the season hard to tell <laughs> yeah. so true. Um, yeah. i think it's not the end of the season but that's just kind of what happened so anyways eight episodes indian matchmaker it's been a very interesting so it, it's this one matchmaker person from mumbai who then actually sets up matches both in India and in the United States. So it's a very interesting, like, not just Indian culture, but it also brings in, like, second generation and lots of different... And then also just where they are, like West Coast, East Coast, and the United States. So it's it's culturally very fascinating, but it also is just purely entertaining, especially, I would say, if you've done as many first dates as I have, <laughs> 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 you watch it through the filter of yeah. like how awkward, how severely awkward, because they film these people on their first dates. And it is like, it's just the most awkward thing you've ever seen. And some of these, some of them are just like the normal awkward first date, like, oh, like whatever. And then some of them, I'm just telling you these, it's also because it's like some of them are with their families as well. And so it's that like, 
the first date with their family? Yeah. So it's like the, the meet and greet with the family. And then they get like a little bit of time away to be together. But that first initial meet is like both parents, the guy and the girl and the guy like, won't eat, like kind of looks at her, but is like really shy about it. And then the girl's just like giggling and just like, "Mm." and then, but the parents are the ones talking and then they get like a little bit of time to like go away and like sit and talk. And that's awkward, but I feel like the family stuff is even more awkward just because it's just like, what are we watching? Like, it's like you're, I don't know. It's yeah. It's what makes it, what makes it obsessive if you, Get what, I mean, I'm like, what, like what why has is it my it, obsession? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's really fascinating. And so it's one of those train wrecks that you have to kind of keep watching <laughs> because you're like, everything is so awkward in this show or so different. And like, you just want to know how these people's awkward love lives are going to figure like work out. That's why. Yeah. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but I think this is a good time to interject. This is why I love that we're talking about this. I know that the church that we used to be a part of, there was a couple from India and they were explaining to me that they did do a prearranged marriage, like an arranged marriage, and that the churches in India actually have like, I don't want to use, like they have like these books with pictures and profiles where you actually can go and you can go to this church and look up all who the available Men and women biodatas in the show. Maybe that's biodatas. Okay, so it's Uh, like an analog eHarmony, yeah, or something. Well, and that's really what the show is. Which is really interesting is like it's not any different than Match.com. Like you're reading everyone's thing, you're seeing their picture, you're judging them on their like attributes physically and everything else, and then you decide you want to meet them. So in a lot of ways, it's just like a matchmaker doing the work. And some of them like are arranged marriages in the show, like in terms of arranged as and you've got these three girls to pick from that's all you get but then the I feel like the ones filmed in the United States really is it's just like a person match.com like the indian matchmaker is match.com so is <laughs> is there one indian matchmaker in the show yeah there is an actual and so she's got like a whole like database if you will of of clients and then she just kind of like interworks all these clients mostly staying to their continents though. Like I was curious, like if she was going to like, Oh, there's this great guy in India, but no, she mostly keeps it like based on where they live in terms of the country, which is interesting. Yeah. I have friends that have done arranged marriages and so far so good. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll talk but what's that about interesting a little bit is more. It's like, for me, it's like not even arranged it is, but it's like they eventually get to a point where they've like, they like each other and not like, it's not right. like they're getting married the next day. I feel like the, the ones taking place in India, those are very like, you've talked to her once and you like her, but the ones in America really are functioning a lot. Like the, like a the online, online stuff where you're just like, no, we're done. And then go your right. and then find someone else. Thank you for that, Sarah. And that is awesome. Very on topic and very apropos. Anyone else who's got any weekly obsessions? I have an obsession. It's not thematic, unfortunately. I think <laughs> I've told you guys that since quarantine, working from home, sitting at a desk, looking at a computer, I've had neck and shoulder pain and like upper back. So finally, I decided to go to the internet and see if there was any remedy for me. What they suggested is that I have bad posture from sitting and looking at my phone, looking at a computer. My head is over my shoulders. I'm bent over. And so the recommendation is to, ve- to develop a better posture and the muscles required to strengthen the muscles to maintain a better posture. So my obsession is something called wall 
angels. Not to be confused with decorative uh, holiday Christmas time angels that you put on top of a tree or snow <laughs> angels that one might make in the white snow of the ground in wintertime or sand angels on the beach if you don't get to snow. This is an exercise to strengthen your posture. And I didn't want to tell you all too soon. So it's actually been going on for almost a month now. I've been doing wall oh, angels wow. almost every day. Three sets of 10, so 30 wall angels. And I have to say that my upper neck and upper back and shoulder pain has minimized. It's really helped. So I just want to pass that along to anyone who's suffering, maybe the work from home, neck, shoulder, upper back, stress, strain, knots. Like I, I was getting really bad knots on my shoulder. So I went to YouTube and I just started searching. So I, I'll expedite it for anyone listening. Wall Guys, angels. Look I'm up. totally putting everyone on, on David on the spot right now, but... Can we please record you doing wall angels and post it on social media Absolutely. or on our show notes? Show Absolutely. Tune in to Cross Culturist on Instagram. It's been good. Thank you for that, David. That was very informative and helpful. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing. Right now, we want to jump into our culture clash. Culture clash! Oftentimes, the five of us take note of different cultural differences or quote-unquote clashes that we notice maybe in our new, in the news, from our personal lives, in movies, media, and we like to take this time to share what are those clashes, what are, what are those moments that perhaps your worldview or the way that you function came into contact with another worldview that wasn't the same or maybe it was different, and you kind of, what, what do you do with that? And so... Seasons have changed, and so who's got some culture clashes to, to share? Um, if I must. Uh, <laughs> well, we you started, we, we've talked, we, we were talking about fall, and how fall then brings in the leaves changing, but it also brings in this thing called pumpkin. And I have to say, I don't celebrate fall until after my birthday, which is the end of, or the 24th of September. So after the 24th of September, we can embrace all the fall things. I'm not trying to diss on pumpkin and fall things, but it is, I feel, getting culturally out of hand in our society. (laughs) (laughs) How how so? I mean, what's Um, an example of... Because, like, what's an example? Like, I don't know, maybe Starbucks now has two pumpkin beverages, I would say when you walk into Trader Joe's, everything is pumpkin from the waffles to the syrup to whatever, whatever it is, it's pumpkin. Pumpkin spice vodka was recently found. So I don't know. It just like, I feel like it's getting a little bit obsessive. That's, that's all. I don't dislike pumpkin. I just find it to be really a cultural, like crazy phenomenon that happens every single year. But I feel like every year it gets just a little bit worse. Like growing up in a different place, pump, we don't have those orange pumpkins. And I always ask Lauren, I think I ask her every year. It's like, what do you actually use pumpkin for? Like, do you eat it? Decoration. But I will say too, also, I saw how I have seen how the pumpkinness has like moved into different countries, even when different countries have not necessarily like they don't do the pumpkin thing. But like some of it is Starbucks's fault, of course. Um, PSL squad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's weird. Well, it's just like it. such just an American thing. I really do feel like it's a very American thing. A friend this week introduced me to the pumpkin sweet cream cold brew. And yep. I have to say, Yo, I know good. we already it, are done with our weekly obsession really segment, <laughs> but I loved it so much that I, and I'm not like, 
I don't usually buy coffee. I'm not a big fan of Starbucks. I would prefer to support a local coffee shop, blah, blah, blah. I went twice in one week because I was like, (laughs) I have to have more of this. (laughs) Then I went for a third time Uh and got the Trenta or like whatever, like the 30 ounce. Oh my gosh, What's and Trenta? It's like the 30 it's ounce than Spanish for 30. Marcos, that's oh. Spanish for 30. Yeah. Tre- it's like oh, yes. Trenta. <laughs> gigantic. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's like a gigantic coffee that is not, not good for your heart and is probably so much sugar. Well, at that point, I was like, I just need to learn how to make this at home to save mm. myself money. Smart. And so I did. And so I've now been making it at home. I'm totally obsessed. And it's delightful pumpkin coffee drink. Is it the same? Does it taste the same? I'm perfecting the recipe. Okay. So by the time <laughs> so I no, come visit you, it'll be perfect. Oh, I mean, it's good. It's, I'll, it's, I'll add, it's pretty I'll add good, my recipe actually. to the show notes. It's ah, pretty tasty okay. if I do say so myself. I adapted it. The most recent try. Do you want to tell them my secret my secret ingredient? Why don't you, David? Because you, uh, it's your secret to tell. Two tablespoons of maple syrup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it really adds that fall flavor. <laughs> Oh, it's, but speaking of fall flavor, that for me is a culture clash in and of itself. Like fall as a season, right? Like growing up in Puerto Rico, you just have kind of two seasons, like the summer and then not summer, right? Like that's basically it. And so the idea of like companies and corporations are doing a good job in some ways of like packaging that fall feeling. And that's completely foreign to me. Mm. The idea of picking pumpkins and picking like going apple picking and trying pumpkin flavored stuff. That's something that I never grew up with. I never grew up with seeing the leaves change either. So that was always something really different that for me every year, even though I've been living in the Northeast for several years, like I just went up to upstate New York in the Catskills and it's beautiful. Like saw the fall foliage. It was amazing. But like for me, it's something that I didn't grow up with. And so the fact that it's a thing always throws me off guard. I'm just going to ask you all as people, especially the people who grew up in the Northeast, because I don't think you have apple picking in California, right? Sure we do. Oh, you do? We're not I mean... barbarians. My gosh. What do you think we <laughs> They are? have all year round I, picking. I thought that was like a Northeast thing. <laughs> do you know how um, much fruit is grown in California? True, true story. Apples? Yeah. Well, I don't know how many picking. apples grow, though, because that does need a slightly different Well, but climate. to be fair, I've never been apple picking in California. So, I mean, we have it, but I haven't done it. Our friends just opened up a farm in New Jersey that we went in, and then they have hashtag Orchard Side Farms. Check them out. They're great in New Jersey. And they have a pumpkin patch. And we and it's the first time ever in my life. Did you that pick I a pumpkin? Picked I picked a pumpkin. Whoa. How was and that for you? Was it a culture clash? It was <laughs> because, oh I mean, it was great to see Matt and Steph and everyone. And that's really why we went, because we wanted to see our friends and support. But guys, I don't get it. Like I, <laughs> You're like, why, why am I There's not much to, to get. You just like food. see a pumpkin that you like and you pick it and you take it it's home like and you carve it. tree. You get to yes. bring it home and enjoy it. Yeah, he's like, what are we going to do there? And I'm like, you go and you pick a pumpkin and maybe you go to like the farm stand and then you come home. Like it can be as long or as short as you would like. Depend- and he's yeah. like, but that's it? And I said, that is it. It's more for the experience. Same thing with the Christmas what tree. What kind of experience? It's the same experience I have in the grocery a store. Because you Cause can actually they- eat this one. Or sometimes they sell that's like true. apple cider or like 
different things. <laughs> I just don't get it. I could also pick a pumpkin in the grocery store. For Instagram, Marcos, can you take a picture with your pumpkin? Yeah, that'd Ooh, be fun. Yeah. So we bought the listeners three want to see. white pumpkins, which I didn't know was a thing either, mm. which Lauren used it's her so cricket. Pretty. Oh, Lauren's holding up the white pumpkin. It looks so cute. Yeah, we can see a beautiful pumpkin. That looks handpicked. That looks nice. This one, <laughs> this one is rolling <laughs> already. This one is... Oh, did you write on those, Lauren? They Lauren grew yes. with those letters on It says on Hello Fall. She did it in her hand lettering. <laughs> that one's kind of getting soft already, though. But anywho. Well, sure. Anyways, that's a culture clash for me. I, I, I'm not bashing it. I did pick apples for the first time like one or two years ago. And they are delicious right out of the tree. So I get that. But pumpkins, you don't even eat. Yes, you do. You can eat them. You carve them. Yeah, you can you can bake the pumpkin. You can bake the pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin God. seeds are really it nice. Make it, it in your pie, guys. Anyways, it's a clash. Sure, ladies that's and gentlemen, fair. it's a clash. All right, so thank you so much, everyone, for sharing your culture clashes. If you have a culture clash at home, if you're listening and you haven't experienced it. Maybe you learned that someone wasn't viewing the world the same way that you were and you could learn from it. Please let us know. You can let us know on Instagram, on Facebook or on our website. We love hearing about these things because we truly, truly believe that only by experiencing things outside of the norm is when you grow. Right. And when you grow and you learn more. So please would love to hear from you. Cue wedding music because it is time to dive dun, dun, into the wedding music. That's very cultural. Yeah, that's pretty cultural too. Oh, gosh. Um, it's time to dive into the main topic for this episode weddings. What's the maybe first or second thing that come to mind when you think of a wedding? Like, what's what comes to your mind? I think weddings are a rite of passage. Is that the kind of yeah. answer that you're looking for? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, and no, and no answer is a bad answer. It's first thing that came to your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Weddings are a rite of passage. I think of family. I think it's one of the few things that, at least in the culture that I grew up in, uh, that we celebrate. And so family, it was a reason for family to gather. You gathered for weddings and funerals. I think of dressing up. Like I think of formal. Mm, yeah. Like for me, that's the first thing that comes to mind is this formal I feel like these days you don't go to a, a ton of formal events and that's one that's yep formal. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I sort of think obligation. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. At this point in my life, most of the people that are getting married aren't like super close friends or it's like friends of fa family or I don't know. But also having lived overseas too, like I like it's also like you are invited to a lot of weddings and you don't always know the person very well. So it's like... Whenever I think of weddings, I think like, oh, this is like something I have to go to and it's going to be real long. <laughs> Hopefully the person that just sent you the save the date isn't listening to this I episode because you're going to feel <laughs> really bad. Not. <laughs> I also feel, I feel the same way as you get older. I started going to weddings as a guest, not as like, not as a bridesmaid or as a flower girl, or whatever, as a, a full-fledged wedding guest, I guess when you're in like older high school. So when I was about probably like 15, 16, my older cousins started to get married and it was fun. It was exciting. It was something to do. You get to dance, stay up late and like, you know, have a good time in the pretty dress and like all this, all this. But as I get older, I'm like, I think I'm more like you, Sarah. Now I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Another wedding. And like, that's <laughs> that's they're fun, but they're more work for me now. I oh, to yeah. all our single friends, we would still love to go to your wedding. Absolutely. <laughs> and I really have enjoyed the weddings I've been to. But I just, you know, that newness and that novelty has worn off. And now I'm 
okay, what am I going to wear to this wedding? I have to, now can I wear this, totally. this same dress or do I, did I wear this dress to the last of this friend's group's wedding? Like it's a lot harder for girls because well, you can't just wear this. you have to figure out like, are you going to get a gift or are you going to figure out how to like not get a gift and still like. <laughs> <laughs> how do you not get a gift for a wedding? You can figure it out. You can figure out like maybe who you'll go like in with or I don't know. There's people that I just like don't want to buy presents for to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> They're not coming to my wedding. Why do I need no, to spend money on theirs? Not, no, I love okay, the, this the, is, the candor and the, this is perfect. This, <laughs> this is good. This is this is a cultural. But they're paying for you to be at, at your they're, wedding. They're not. They're really not. Not that much oh. money. Some weddings you pay to attend them. I don't know if any of that you have, have been invited to a wedding like that. We ourselves were invited to a Haitian wedding. And while we were family, we were not required to pay. But guests paid, I think, what was it, $75 or something? I don't remember. But a, a Haitian wedding in Canada, in Montreal, that's Canada. That's true. We should. Yes, that's an important fact <laughs> to add. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we had never heard of that. We were no. surprised. Like right. American context, honestly, I had never heard of that. And they said, oh yeah, it's quite common. Like people pay to go to weddings. And I thought, that's a great idea. Yeah. Is that a Haitian like, <laughs> thing or a Canadian thing? It's a Haitian I'm thing. I'm not sure. I think it might no, be a I, Montreal I, I was thing. Invited, I was invited to a Haitian wedding as well. Um, and it was not in Canada. It was in Nyack, New York. Oh, really? When I was in grad school. And I couldn't go because I could not afford to go. Yeah. How much was and it? How much so, were tickets? Um, it was like 150 bucks, Ooh, 175 bucks to go. Uh, oh, Northeast nice weddings are expensive. And we can get to that too. And I, I knew the person. And it was great and all. Uh, I just didn't know them enough and didn't really have the money to be able to and it was no offense like there was no offense or it's like i just couldn't go and yeah I just didn't. And, and talking with our friends about yeah. it they had said oh yeah we pay x number of dollars to attend our friends weddings and like this it's just it's what you do and so yeah. it's expected pay that, to come to ours yeah yeah so that was really fascinating but i mean it was like a full meal and an open bar and it's mm. i mean yeah a big you party is fun do you still have to give them a gift i think so Ooh. i think yep. that's yeah I, yeah. I think that's Sarah, the best that's, way to that's do your it, worst nightmare. That's Pay for entry and you gotta give a gift. <laughs> I'm not going. Well, I know that I know that in a lot of at least some of the weddings that I've been a part of where they I've been in the wedding party, but the culture there was a Chinese wedding. I've been to a couple. There is an expectation to give money too. Like there's mm -hmm. an expectation to yeah. like you don't pay to go to the wedding, but there is, is an expectation to give a monetary gift, you know, to give a which are the best gifts for weddings in my opinion <laughs> just like i think yeah money i'm not gonna get into it but money is a great gift well, Aaliyah and i got married relatively young i was 25 she was 21 and our favorite gift was cash i mean there we got great gifts but it like it really just was impressive in a very endearing way that people generously gave us money to get started as newlyweds and so now that's kind of what we give we always give money we just like put cash in an envelope because like what we felt when we got it was we can do whatever we want with this. And there, that was some of the fun of it. So we, that's always what we do now. We're like, just Plus, do whatever I'm you want with it. I'm not going shopping around and printing off registries <laughs> and seeing if somebody else has already wow. bought it and like, good night. I'm going to but that's the part of ATM the experience, I guess, right? <laughs> maybe you're lucky if I buy a wedding card. If not, I just find a blank card <laughs> and write, love ya, love the niches and then put your money in it. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's so, funny because everything that we have mentioned so far, the fact that they're rites of passage, the fact that there's these obligations, the fact that there is you you think about dressing up a particular way, even though that there's weddings that outside of the norm where it might be shorts or it might be whatever. All that is a reflection of how cultural weddings are. I know that for our wedding, the expectation of a, in Puerto Rico of a wedding on the beach and the expectation of New Jerseyans of a wedding on the beach we knew from the get-go is going to be very different. Like, I I remember telling Lauren, I was like, no, like, I don't care that it's 90 degrees outside. Like, people need to dress up because it's a show of respect. It's a sh- And it wasn't like you needed to wear, like, a, a tuxedo or, like, a suit or anything like that. But there were family members that would be totally okay that because they were at the beach to wear shorts, flip-flops, and a short sleeve button-down. I was like, nope. Like, they won't let you in the hotel lobby that way. Like, it's just not a thing. And so, there's a... I know that we had to kind of set some expectations a little bit with family because we didn't want anyone to be not allowed in because of what they were wearing either. And so, it's there's cultural layers. I think there is an aspect, if you think about cross-cultural re- weddings, where, like, if the bride is of one culture and the groom mm-hmm. is... A, is of another, like those types of dynamics of how do you mix the celebration of what it means to you and what it means to the other, and then family dynamics that go into that of who makes decisions Mm -hmm. about what cultural practices you include or leave out. I know that even friends will have different ceremonies altogether because Mm -hmm. there's just not a way to, to blend them. So I think that's an interesting dynamic to think about. And I mean, we experienced it on a very small level in our own wedding, but just that, what if your family doesn't approve of this meshing of cultures and what does that look like? And I think something that's also closely associated with weddings are people's religious background, their faith, because weddings really do have a different tone mm-hmm. or there's a lot of tone in one's wedding given their their religious background and if that's something that's integrated and included into the into the wedding ceremony. So we're talking now also like what I, I learned as deep culture, not picking up pumpkins in the fall, that's a small culture clash. Not including reading from the Bible at your wedding, that might be a bigger culture. Or or not including a certain family member or or prayer or something like that. That's it, it's deep culture. It's it, it's and weddings are stressful already. <laughs> so so I one of my good friends from work is Indian and she got married back in November and I was my first Indian wedding and but she is half Colombian so she's Colombian mm-hmm. Indian and he is I think all Indian. But his family is Catholic. Her Colombian side is Catholic, but her Indian side is Hindu. So it was a very interesting. So they had, she had, she's like, I, well, we, we're going to have his family's Catholic church. We're having a Catholic. And now she's more like spiritual, not really conforming to either religion so much, um, but respects all all these qualities. And so she wanted to bring them all into her day. And so she had a traditional Mendy the night before, and then she had a Catholic ceremony on Saturday morning and then in the white dress. And then she changed that for a traditional 
I forget the name of the ceremony, but she had a traditional Indian ceremony, but an abridged version because otherwise that can go on for three hours. And we already started at like 10 a.m. doing the Catholic ceremony. So, <laughs> but he came in on a horse, like they had a horse wow. that came in, like that brought him like oh, his family. Oh, that's a very Indian, yeah. And, yeah. and a horse or his an elephant. Fa- you could do a horse or an elephant. Right. I'm- <laughs> a little hard to get elephants I would in go for elephant. Pelham, New York, but they got a horse. So Lijo came in on a white horse with a, I think he had like a veil covering his uh, face and his family escorts him so he came from like the one side of the of the reception hall's like parking lot and came in on the horse with all this music and then her family waits for the groom at the door and she's not here she she wasn't there but her family greets him and his family and accepts him into their family and then they everyone goes inside for the ceremony so Having a horse at a wedding was a first, but my coworkers and I who went to the wedding, we were like, well, like, what do we wear? Like, we're definitely not Indian. So what is appropriate for us to wear? And Vanessa said, you guys can wear whatever you want. But the women, because most of our family, you know, our families are Indian, are going to be in traditional dress. So saris, yeah. Yeah, saris and... There's lenkas. Lenkas are like the short is like the crop top with a high waisted skirt and mm-hmm. then the just the the scarf wrap and then the like the actual sari is the one it's just one piece of fabric mm-hmm. that's wrapped over mm-hmm. you around your waist and then so you got a whole education. So we actually borrowed outfits. One of the doctors that I work with is Indian and she lent us her outfits um, from her daughter. Um, so she had traditional Indian. They're not um, cheap either. They are no, not cheap. No, several hundred dollars a piece like for like the actual like really good quality ones. And so I had these beautiful outfits to wear to the both the Mendy and to this um ceremony. But I felt really odd being in a Catholic church in traditional Indian. This was the culture clash. Like here I am, a Protestant woman sitting in a Catholic church in Indian lehenga, that's it, that's the word. Lehenga for a Indian Catholic wedding ceremony. But it was too far away to come back and change and go back. So we had to wear one outfit the whole day. And we went with the traditional Indian because that's what we were doing. And talk about culture clash. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like really exposed. Like I was covered, but still I had a crop top on in church. Like I felt very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> because, but I was trying to cover with myself with my scarf and like just, you know, talk about a, what a cultural, really cool traditions to experience for the first time. But yeah, Indian weddings, they yeah. are a cool experience. Not to mention the Indian weddings in their own. Like you can also do like an episode like... Traditionally in India, it's not unusual to have thousands of guests because it's a culture where you can, even you might not be directly invited, if you tell someone, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to so-and-so's wedding. You should come along with that that person can join. And that's that's socially acceptable. So so I think that, yeah, it's also an, it's great. Also, the food's so good. I was thinking like how many different weddings I've been to in different countries. Ali and I have been to weddings in the Dominican Republic. We've been to weddings in Haiti, or maybe I've just been to a wedding in Haiti, Mexico. So it's fun to think about those different places and how they had similarities, but also had very noticeable difference. I'm realizing as we're having this conversation, weddings are are very cultural, it, you know, and they express culture very evidently, which is cool to think about. I think the most fun wedding that I have ever been to is we have a friend who's from Northern Ireland. And oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that wedding. That is the best wedding we've ever been to. She invited us to her wedding and she was marrying a man from Scotland. And 
I don't know what I was expecting. She she had prepared us to say, similar to Lauren's story, like, hey, we're going to start at noon and you will not be home until midnight. Like the first people will leave at midnight just to let you know. So we are there visiting. We are a part of the wedding and we transition to like this light reception where we have snacks. And then there's a break. Like there was a, a two hour break in which people would either go rest or go, I mean, I don't know what people did. Um, we ended up going to visit a castle like you do when you're in Northern yeah. Ireland and you have a two hour yeah. break, but then came back for the wedding and there was dancing. I mean, Keely dancing, I think is the, what it's called. Yeah. Irish Keely dancing. Where you have a collar <laughs> and everyone's just like partaking. And it was the first time that I had been to a wedding where everyone danced. Like usually there's some like, well, the little grandmas don't, or some people are too shy or, you know, whatever. It's like the 20 year olds dancing to Usher or whatever on the eight by <laughs> yeah. eight dance floor. Every this was not that. single guest was on the dance floor and like, it was so much fun. We ate four versions of potatoes, like, which I know is like stereotypical Irish, but like <laughs> they didn't even call them potatoes. They're like, do you want mash, boil, you know, salted? I mean, I can't remember all the kinds. And I was like, okay, great. Yes. Um, well, yes, give them to me. Yes. <laughs> we ate every two hours. I mean, it was just like this fascinating experience, but it, it was, was incredible. So fun. That was so much so, fun. So, so fun. We've been to a deaf wedding. That's true. Yeah. So I um, have officiated several weddings, and one of the weddings that I had the privilege to officiate was a Nigerian wedding, and it was really interesting because, well, first of all, it's always really tricky as the minister when you're going, I've done Korean weddings, I've done Chinese weddings, I've done Nigerian weddings, and there's always cultural expectations of what the person of the cloth, if you will, <laughs> is what the role is, right? And so I usually try now to kind of find out beforehand what those expectations are so that I can help serve, you know, and be of service the best way possible. But it was funny because, so I did the ceremony. I did, you know, I worked with the couple to do a, a, the vows and ceremonies and we did that more traditional way. And then it just completely took me off guard that once I pronounced them husband and wife, everyone... Like, and I mean, there was how many people there, Lauren? Like 400 people, 500 people? No, probably like a 300 for the ceremony and then more came for the reception. Yeah, but so, yeah. so 300 people just yelled, like just at the top of their lungs. And, it was like but it was trill. like a trill. Yeah, it was like a, a, a trill and it was loud and it was, uh, it, it like scared me. Like it did not because I thought that I was in danger or anything. It was just, it just came startled out of nowhere. You. <laughs> Surprised you. Yeah. yeah, it startled, it startled me and. And so I was like, whoa, and I thought it was awesome. Then after that, like, so all the women from the groom's family wore certain colors and all the women on the bride's family wore different colors, the same outfit, exactly same outfit, maybe a little bit of a different cut here and there, but same fabric. It's like everyone wore the same fabric. Everyone wore, there was a lot more women than men. And I don't know if that was maybe just in that particular wedding uh but like considerably more women than men and then there was a processional at the you know how like usually in american weddings for the reception people you know they walk in and they get announced in like the bridal party well the entire family gets to walk in that processional and like dance and there was like the groom side and then the 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 bride's side but i'm talking like dozens of people like <laughs> i'm talking about you know 30 40 people they get to dance in and there was a lot of dancing and the last thing i think there was a big 
awesome that I benefit at Culture Clash is they did it at a venue where they didn't allow outside food to come in. And there was so much pressure from the family. Uh, like, what do you mean you're not going to have Nigerian food? So that like they ended up kind of sneaking in an entire different course meal as like the cocktail hour because they, there was this disconnect that's like, well, it's not a wedding unless you have this type of food because we categorize in our culture what needs to happen in order for there to be this to be a wedding. And in that case, it was having that food. <laughs> I'll share one of my wedding experiences. So this was one of my first Arab weddings going to, and, it was, and mind you, it was at a refugee camp, so it was a little different. And then since then, I went to various amounts of Arab weddings, different kinds. But the culture clash that occurred, it still is like one of my, it's like one of the most hilarious memories I have. So we get to this building and every wedding in most weddings in the Middle East, especially if they are um, Muslim in nature, the women and the men are very, they're, they're separate. So as a woman, I would just go to the woman tent, the woman building, the woman room, whatever it is like you, I literally have no idea what happens on the other side. So most, most of what I've heard from the men that I know that have gone to men's side weddings have said that it's just like, they literally just sit there. But the women's side weddings are like the most fun. Like that's when they do all the dancing. They like, they probably solidly dance and eat for like two hours until the groom comes, only the groom comes in or sometimes the men of the family. But then the groom comes in and he really only stays like 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Then he leaves and then we solidly dance for like another three hours. So like that's the women's side of the, of the party. So we went to this wedding and granted, we're obviously not Arab. I was with three other, we weren't Americans, but we were not Arab. So um, we get into this thing where we get into the room. And so one of the things, I mean, like you, we talk about that cultural element and the traditions of weddings. I would say Arab weddings, probably with most cultures are very outward facing in that like, it's all about how much jewelry the bride is wearing, what she's wearing, how much decorations, like all of these things get put into a wedding that show wealth or show status, whatever, but also just shows the importance of like the bride. So the bride always has this like giant dress on and very glittery. And then usually is sitting on like a throne of some sort, like a legitimate throne. And usually when the husband comes in, he sits there as well, or the groom. So anyways, we get to this thing and immediately get brought up. To, and again, they're on the stage. Like the bride isn't necessarily with everyone else. Like she's up above and on a stage. And that's, I mean, then she sometimes comes down and dances with people, but it's like the guests of honor that get brought up on the stage and like have to dance with her. So this is very, like, I was probably only like a few months into the Middle East, like didn't know a lot of Arabic, didn't know a lot of what was going on. We get to the building, we get to the room and we immediately get, get ushered up to the stage and have to dance with the bride. It's like very honoring, but it's very culturally overwhelming. And that would, I would say would be like the culture clash of like, that is obviously not something that I do at weddings in the, in the United States. I mean, you dance, but it's like not until the reception. This was like immediately through the front door. You like, I had no choice, but I had to go up on the stage, a group of us, we had to dance with the bride. It was being filmed by this like hilarious, like 
giant video camera. And like, so for solidly like 30 to 45 minutes, we had to be up on that stage and like the songs just kept going and it was just like, we're not done yet. And we have to keep doing this. And it was just such a sign of honor for them of like, we've invited Americans and they've come to our wedding because that was such a big deal for them. But then also like, you have to be up here as like a guest of honor and dance with this bride for however long she has deemed that you have to dance with her. So I would say that was my most like cultural clash wedding. Since then I've learned like, I mean, I went to plenty of weddings where, yeah, you just kind of get dragged up and do that. But for some reason that one was just so, I think cause it was being filmed and like no one else was dancing. It was just like us on this stage <laughs> dancing with the bride, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way to access that footage? <laughs> if you have a VHS, <laughs> literally it was like this old video camera that was like, I probably only played VHSs. So that's awesome. Probably not. So weddings are one of the few times I feel like, particularly in Western culture, in American culture, other cultures have more external rites of passage or or rituals or ceremonies. Rites of passages just don't happen as much as often anymore. And so when you do outward rituals, then there's a lot of symbolism and meaning. And so that's another cool way to think about weddings. Perhaps you haven't even thought about it that way, but the fact that we take communion, there's some heavy, heavy symbolism there. there. The fact that there's... Unity candle. There's symbolism there. And so I think that looking at that symbolism and looking at those aspects to the culture, the aspects of the the ceremony really are a good way to kind of have a sneak peek at what the culture values. I guess I can speak for myself, right? That the fact that you wouldn't do a dress down wedding normally in Puerto Rico is because it's a like the way that you dress is a way that you show respect and that you show that something in that in that culture, in that culture, that you show respect and that you show that this is a big deal. For us and being Christians, it was a big deal that there was a Christian God element to the wedding and that there needed to be a part that this wasn't just a courthouse thing, right? It was more than just a legal thing. It would definitely had spiritual meaning. I don't know, David, Aliyah, did you have any aspects that you felt like had to be part? When we made a list of the, the most important things for our wedding, I think number one was that it was cheap, which is a very West Coast <laughs> cultural value compared to maybe East Coast weddings that are far more formal and expensive. Yes. So we tried yes. to make our wedding as cheap as possible. And the other one was that it was not long. So not that it was as short as possible, but we didn't want a long wedding. So all in all, our wedding from like start to when we left was two hours, Aaliyah? Is that fair? Three hours. Three hours from start to when, from like when we showed up to when we left. So that was pretty quick. But those were the things that were like most important to us, really. And that we had a good photographer so that we had photos that we enjoyed. Those were our top three priorities. Yeah. And it's interesting because we had a delicious Puerto Rican food. I remember they had, we had to have a conversation with Lauren's family about like, Hey, like this is, they felt at one point that we were, because it was in Puerto Rico, that there was a lot of Puerto Rican stuff incorporated, but not enough Dutch stuff incorporated. Cause there's, and so it's like, how are the Dutch things, you know, being incorporated here? What are the parts that, that, you know, what kind of music or what kind of participation it's, and, and that's fair. It's fair. It's, it's deep culture stuff. And so those those symbols, for someone who's not a Christian, communion might not mean anything. It's just juice and bread. But if you're a Christian, it's not just you, juice and bread, right? And so the, those are really interesting things that happen in weddings. 
I think ours really spoke to perhaps the more cultural value of individualism, especially as our families tried to interject what they thought was important or what we should value. The two of us really stuck to what we individually said were going to be our top priorities. And so you can, you know, while you can see maybe some West Coast culture in it, you certainly can see the more North American individualistic culture coming out in the fact that we almost entirely disregarded whatever our family's preferences were because we were going to do it our way. That's the cultural value as well. So to close, I, I found this article. It's called 47 Fascinating Wedding Traditions from Across the World. And so I think it's really interesting. I'm just not going to go through all 47. We know we'll do a couple, but, but I thought that some of these were pretty interesting. We'll put the link in the show notes. And so I didn't go through all 47 because that's, again, a lot. But one that I will start with, and this is actually... A Kenyan wedding, which I did see this at the Nigerian wedding too. I wonder how much overlap there was there. But in a Kenyan wedding, this is this is what the article says. How would you like to be all dressed up in your wedding finery and have your dad spit on you? Already the article is showing cultural bias. <laughs> but that's what happens in some parts of Kenya after the ceremony. When a Maasai bride leaves with her husband, the purpose is not to tempt fate by being too supportive of the newlyweds. And I, do, I don't know if it was the same meaning, but I remember, when, remember, Lauren, when we were at the Nigerian wedding, some people, they weren't like actually spitting, but they would get close to the, the couple and go kind of a la my big fat Greek wedding where they did this spitting. And that was, a, and again, for us was like, wait, are they, are they actually spitting? So anyways, have you guys seen anything like that? Not personally, but I like the sound of it. I would spit on people. <laughs> that sounds like a great tradition. So in uh, Greece... They take the term groomsman quite literally. On his wedding day, a Greek groom's best man, or kumparos, becomes his barber. And he actually shaves his pal's face. There's also a sweet side to that, because after he's been freshly saved, his new mother-in-law will feed him honey and almonds. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I love David, honey. I would love to picture my mom feeding you honey and yeah, almonds. Was gonna, that was the, <laughs> the mother-in-law feeds? Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds... Missed that Very opportunity. cross-culture-ish. Anyways, let's do one more that I found pretty interesting. Let's do two more because this one I've seen. So in China, brides typically walk down the aisle in a slim-fitting embroidered dress called a traditional kipao or shongsam. I'm probably mispronouncing that, so I apologize. For the reception, they typically change into a more decked-out gown with a Western flair. But the bridal fashion doesn't the bridal fashion show doesn't end there. To cap the night, Chinese brands, brides often make a final change into a cocktail dress. There's three dresses, usually. Did Gloria do three dresses? She did two. No, Gloria did three, right? She did three. She had two Great. Western dresses, and then she did a traditional, she did a red gown to leave. And Gloria, if you're listening to this, you killed all three of them. It was just yep. a fun wedding. <laughs> one of my faithful listeners. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so last one, I thought that this was interesting, too. So in uh, French Polynesia, in the, in the Marquesas Islands, once the wedding has come to an end, the relatives of the bride lay side by side, face down on the ground, while the bride and groom walk over them hmm. like a human rug. Hmm. I kind of like that. That's kind of pretty and beautiful in a way. What is that supposed to signify? I don't know. It doesn't say. Like kind of like. I mean, I'm sure they don't do it for kicks. I'm sure it, I'm sure it has. A... Stepping into is that a new similar life. similar to the, like, when people leave often in weddings here in the States, People line up to the, the mm-hmm. car. Like the gauntlet. I call it mm-hmm. the gauntlet. Throw mm-hmm. rice or blow bubbles, do mm-hmm. sparklers, cheer them out. 
I wonder if it could be similar to that. I think rice is banned now. You can't do rice. Yeah, because yeah, it's bad to. for the birds. Yep. It's just a mess. What does the rice signify? Why do people throw rice? I never Maybe knew, it's like never the spitting. Understood that. I don't know. Maybe it's keep... There's got to be keep, some sort of historical no, there's a reason on there. We didn't do our research. Keep the uh, bad juju away. I did not do... Yeah, no research. We, we'll fact check that. <laughs> and that's no. a good, but, that's a, but that, in a way, is a, is a great example of how, how culture creates tradition. And we don't even know why we do it. But I've thrown rice at the end of a wedding, right? Yeah, me too. I have no idea why. <laughs> but <laughs> Except for the fact that I was supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. I hope you learned something. What are your takeaways? What did you... Talking about weddings, maybe you relived some moments that were pleasant or maybe not so pleasant. But culturally, weddings, what's up with them? First thing I learned is that I'm so glad that I married Aaliyah 10 years ago. Everyone say, aw. Oh, well, mm, I aw, thought you were going to continue. No. I didn't realize that was the I end know, of the I thought. I thought you were going to say, because like, times have changed. That's and I'm like, waiting for why. If I had to marry her today, then because it'd be... I, why? Because I like Aaliyah. <laughs> that's why. I'm glad I married her. I'm glad we got married. Well, I know. I thought it was more just because you didn't want to deal with current realities of today. Thank you very much. Oh, that's we what I thought you were going Sarah to say in the too. beginning, and we're going to close it out by. <laughs> it's not we. It's kind of some self-outing. If you've noticed a trend, you can oh, rewind and play. Come on, I haven't said a single thing. The other thing that I would learn that I would say, and then someone else can share their their takeaways, the things they've learned from this episode. I, I already said it, but I just say it again. I don't know if I would have thought before this conversation how deeply weddings reflect culture because it is so you know, that deep culture that you said, Marcos. Mm. So when you go to a wedding in another country or cross-culturally in, in the country that you live in, you can see cultural difference and it's a great opportunity. So if you want to see it, weddings are a great place to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. I think weddings represent a culture's values and mm-hmm. it can be a couple, like their culture and their values, or it can be family culture. It can be even, like we discussed, uh, regional within the United States. Like there's West Coast values and East Coast values and how that's different in weddings. So I just see weddings as a way, yeah, to rep- represent those values in a tangible way. Yeah, I would encourage anyone to go or just observe like or go to a, go to a wedding and and just pay attention to everything that's going on because it really is a lot of like to what people are wearing, to eating, to doing. They are very they're fun. They're really like they show a lot of cultural tradition, all of that. It's cool. I would say some of my best memories are weddings for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I think maybe a segment that we can do uh, in a year's time is we can discuss weddings post-COVID and see mm. like how that has changed wedding culture. I know within my own family, my brother, my older brother had a wedding scheduled for May 2020 mm. that was obviously canceled and he ended up getting married. Um, he and his wife got married in their backyard in a sweet little ceremony. But I think that's a interesting thing to think of how pandemic could change the culture of weddings and what that mm-hmm. will look like in the future. For me, it's a reminding that, reminder that weddings, as David, you said, as a rites of passage, it means that like something changes, right? After that ceremony, after that that day or myriad of days or, or whatever it is that it is, something changes, right? And we, I think a lot of times in the West, try and minimize or try to like homogenize culture in a way and try to say, no, 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 like, 
we need to, this is the new standard of things. And weddings are a reminder that we come from different places and come from different values. And that is beautiful. And that it's a very human thing to grow up and transition, but how that is expressed and what that looks like and the symbolism behind it is different. And I think it should be celebrated. And I think that that's why I love going to weddings that are different than what I grew up with. And so there you have it, folks. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for having a awesome non-COVID-related conversation. I feel like I don't have much of those <laughs> right now. So thank you. Thank you, friends. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please uh, share your comments. Keep your eye out for the show notes. And we'd love to hear what wedding experiences have you had and what culture clashes have you had in weddings. So with that, we all say adios. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.